the world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we have a real treat for you. Uh, It's going to make you both laugh, have fun, and also think of something that is incredibly serious, getting worse. (laughs) Don't worry, it's not terrorism, Um, which is a frequent topic of conversation on the show. Uh, It's a new book that's out. It's called Hollywood Hussein. And the author of the book is Ken Baker. He is the West Coast executive, executive editor of Us Weekly. And he's also uh, been an author of two previous books, which we will talk about today as well. Uh, he is a TV commentator on such shows as EVH1, CNN, Fox News, Entertainment Tonight, The Today Show, and so on. And... Um, he has a lot to say. I had the uh, pleasure of meeting Ken at the book party that he hosted for the launching of Hollywood Hussein, and um, it was it was a lot of fun. So welcome to the show, Ken. It's good to be here. It's a very comfortable couch you have. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Just wait. <laughs> Does it become a hot seat? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but all done with uh, the goal of giving you more insight. Very gently. That's good. Um, I read your book. I literally couldn't put it down. And, um, you know, it's it's an interesting book, and I'm going to ask you to sort of give us a little synopsis of it or tell us as much of it as you feel comfortable talking about because, of course, you don't want to give away the ending. But um, it's a – what I – you know, it's it's a – it's an enjoyable, interesting read, and you sort of can't wait to get to the end to find out what happens. But at the same time, while you're reading it as a kind of novel satire, um, it's, it, there is something that keeps haunting you as you realize more and more just how much danger our society is in. And I'll let you take it from there and, and describe the book. Well, the, the, the book is about, the plot of the book, at least, is about uh, telling the real story of how George Bush captured Saddam Hussein. It's the secret story, the untold story heretofore, about how he hired a bunch of celebrity paparazzi to go do the job that the CIA couldn't get done with, in, with conjunction with the military. Uh, but the book is really on the bigger scale. It's a, it's a parody of uh, the Bush administration, or as I like to call it, the Rove administration, uh, a parody of our nation's obsession with celebrity, and uh, you know, in a real uh, a satire on um, on how uh, you know politicians will manipulate public opinion with their propaganda, and uh, sort of a, a stew of all those things put together, and it's told in the form of really like a documentary style where it's uh, first-person voices of each of the characters. And, of course, Saddam Hussein is a character in the book. George Bush is a character in the book. And, of course, there's, you know, some 
fictionalized characters based on actual people, some of whom uh, were actually at the book party <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that you attended in Hollywood a few weeks ago. Uh, yes, so we uh, had a lot of fun with it. As in um, uh, Miss Marriott. Yeah, well, there is a character, London Marriott, uh, who actually in London Marriott, yes, so uh, you can figure figure out which celebrity would uh, <laughs> would match with that. Um, but, you know, the whole idea behind that character is this is a, a, a huge celebrity, a, a professional celebrity. She's really just a celebrity who's famous for being famous, uh, which is pretty popular these days. And from my Purchase Weekly, I can tell you that there's a lot of them floating around Hollywood. And, uh, and, and so what happens is George Bush actually hires London Marriott to be his press secretary, in order to uh, win over the press and, and distract them from the fact that uh, that he couldn't find any weapons of mass destruction or Saddam Hussein at the same time, so uh, uh, he sort of figured, well, you know, we'll uh, we'll distract him with sex. Uh, and hey, it's been done before. <laughs> <laughs> Is there, you know, the part? Um, uh, are you? Is it okay to talk about where where Saddam actually is before he gets captured? Yeah, well, there's obviously there's a few plot twists, and actually one of the the main sort of twists of the story comes uh, near the end, and all, all I'd say about that is it has to do with reality TV. Um, but you know, basically, the the whole idea is that this book was hatched um, in on December thirteenth, two thousand three, when I woke up like. Everyone else that Sunday morning turned on CNN, uh, some of us, Fox News, whatever it was that we were all watching, I turned on CNN, and I saw some video that sort of gave me pause. I was expecting to, uh, you know, turn on and see, uh, you know, the weather, get ready to watch some football, and I turn on CNN and I see Saddam Hussein with a really bushy beard, looks like he hasn't had a haircut in six months, and he's getting his mouth examined. By military doctors. Now, you know, my first thought was, it's not every day you get to see someone's mouth being examined on television like that. It's kind of creepy. Uh, my second thought was, this is weird, and I don't trust what I'm seeing because I have lost my trust with the Bush administration and what they've been trying to tell us. Because at that time, if you go back two years, almost two years now, you'll remember that we went to war to to find those weapons of mass destruction and destroy them and unseat the dictator who was developing those weapons of mass destruction that were going to threaten the entire world and blow us all up. Now, of course, by December, we had invaded in, in the spring, and by December, we realized there aren't any weapons of mass destruction. We messed up. Why we messed up is a long story that ended up playing out over the next year or so. But what was clear is that there weren't any weapons of mass destruction. Then, lo and behold, December 13th, they find Saddam Hussein in a hole on a farmhouse, or next to a farmhouse, next to the Tigris you know, <laughs> River in northern Iraq. And it just seems so Hollywood to me. Yeah. And as someone who works at Us Magazine, who deals in the world of Hollywood and in the world of slick marketing campaigns and storylines and compelling characters, I didn't trust what I was seeing. And I immediately developed this sort of fictional idea of, gee, what if what we saw wasn't exactly what happened? What if this was one big propaganda scheme, one big reality show that they'd created and found Saddam Hussein in this spider hole uh, in, in rural Iraq? And it was, that 
was the beginning of the story that I started writing. And what's interesting is I wrote this book about a year, year and a half ago. And, of course, with book publishing, as you know, it takes a long time for these books to get out. And when I wrote it at the time, a lot of what was happening at the time was there wasn't a lot of backlash against George Bush. There was still a lot of support for him. His his, uh, approval ratings were up near 70%. They're now down in the 40s. Some polls have them in the upper 30s. So the political climate has changed now, and also there's been some recent um, uh, very, very scary sort of manipulations of the media uh, with the Bush administration lately that have come to light that it really are showing that my book, while a satire, while a parody, while, I'll admit, completely absurd on one level, is is. 100% actually viable and could have happened. Um, maybe not the part about hiring London Marriott as press secretary, but the idea that he would hire celebrity paparazzi to go find Saddam Hussein is not that far-fetched when you consider that he hired as the director of FEMA a guy in Michael Brown, who is now deposed, of course, uh, whose previous experience was making horses look pretty for equestrian shows. If he's going to hire someone like that to be our uh, manager of disaster and catastrophe, why is it far-fetched yeah. that he would hire the paparazzi to go find Saddam Hussein when the paparazzi are experts at finding people? <laughs> yeah. So I think that is sort of the reality check behind right. what is uh, otherwise a very absurd satirical story. Well, you know, yes. I mean, I, I did wonder about that because in some ways it looked like you had written it yesterday, you know, um, because some of the things were so today. And on the other hand, I mean, obviously it does take a while for books to be published, and I figured that it had been before then. But, like, for example, today um, there's something in the news about how we supposedly have reached the 2,000th person who has been killed in Iraq. Now, we all know that that, I mean, you can't trust that. I mean, it's much it's much more likely that it was more people than that. And I think we are getting to have a more cynical attitude. And it's interesting that the timing of this book actually came out at a time when more people would be willing to agree with um, the the theme behind it. But let's go back to the uh, dental exam. Because, <laughs> because Pretty good I'm dental a... exam. Most of us don't get to see dental exam unless we're being examined. That was, I thought it was fascinating. I don't know if I... <laughs> that, that was? I thought it was fascinating to see his mouth being examined because you just well, don't get to see that every day. Well, <laughs> yes. And, you know, it, it really shocked me, too. And I, I thought a lot about it. And mm-hmm. um, what I was... It, it made me feel very uncomfortable. And what made me feel uncomfortable about it, I, I figured out, was that um, it was a very demeaning kind of pose, you know, perhaps or most likely literally a pose, in the sense that, um, yes, we were trying to show that the United States was taking care of Sudan, you could interpret it that way, but also there was something, uh, you know, when you sit in a dentist chair and you have your mouth open, you're totally helpless, you can't talk. You know, you can't really do anything. It's a real invasion of privacy that is even more demeaning than the pictures of stars with no makeup on. Well, what's interesting is, you know, being in Hollywood, working for Us Weekly, which is obviously a very visual, photo-driven publication, and a publication that has just seen such great success and growth and popularity, I've learned, as well as anyone, the power of the image And it was very clear to me that what was happening with that capture and the presentation of that to the public was that 
we didn't see him acting defiant and asserting himself as being the uh, the leader of Iraq and asserting him like we're now seeing him in open court mm-hmm. uh, as he's on trial. Uh, what we saw was a defeated man. We saw a man, like you said, vulnerable, exposed, um, you know, unkempt. Uh, it's someone who almost looked, uh, you know, for lack of a more politically correct term, like a homeless person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that is really interesting, the images that the U.S. government chose to beam across the world were those images. Yeah. And you better believe there were other images. <laughs> there were other things they could have shown, but they showed us to manipulate our opinion and our perception of what had just happened. And I think like the, the, the book is really about those propaganda techniques and, of course, don't believe everything you see or hear out of a politician's mouth, of course. But it's gotten to the point where when we see things, we're so used to reality television and we're so programmed to think, oh, we're seeing it the way it is. Yes. Where, of course, reality television is really scripted television made to look like reality. And I think a lot of what we're seeing uh, from politicians is along those lines. I'll give you a recent example. Um, a couple weeks ago, George Bush decides he's going to have a video conference with uh, some of the uh, military in Iraq to talk about the situation. But it was one big, basically, media opportunity. And it came to light because their cameras were on and uh, it, got, it, it ended up getting beamed around the world to everyone, all the networks, that they had already set up ahead of time what they were going to talk about, what their answers were going to be, how they were going to answer them in order. And this was so extremely staged that you're right, it was something right out of my book, and I was watching it and, and thinking, you know, gosh, like, I really was writing fiction, but it really is becoming mm-hmm. reality. And to me, the thing is, I am not a liberal, I am not a conservative, I just don't like propaganda. And uh, whenever I, I get a sniff of it, whenever I sense it, it just turns me off. And I think as a writer, I just wanted to expose what I thought has been some of the most absurd third degree of propaganda that we've seen in a long time. Yes, well, absolutely. Um, getting more absurd and getting more serious than, uh, than ever. Well, we'll continue talking about this. The book is called Hollywood Hussein. The, uh, my guest is Ken Baker, and he's the West Coast Executive Editor of Us Weekly, as well as being the author of this book. We'll continue when we come back with Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Informative, educational, insightful. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
Do you have questions concerning your personal portfolio? And would you like to know where the market's going before it gets there? Then you need to tune in to Elite Masters of Trading, hosted by the trader's coach, Robin Dane, every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Robin has great ideas on how to invest, save, and make money. So become an elite trader in the market every Wednesday at 10 a.m. with the trader's coach, Robin Dane, and Elite Masters of Trading, right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Information you need, when you need it, voiceamerica.com. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Michael, do you realize we managed to squeeze Irish drinking songs, fencing, and magical thieves all in one show? I did. We are multi-talented over here. Hey, this week on the Dragon Page with Michael and Evo, that's what you're going to get, plus an entire library segment, and we'll talk about that damn alligator-python combo. That's this week on the Dragon Page with Michael and Evo. That's the Dragon Page, every Saturday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on voiceamerica.com. Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio, you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ken Baker is my guest today. He's the author of Hollywood Hussein. Um, he has quite a background in um, journalism, for example, having received a master's degree from Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism. He then uh, went on to work at many uh, news organizations, including the Washington, D.C. Bureau of ABC News. And we'll talk some about that and how he has is able to uh, how he was able to recognize the similarities between Hollywood and um, Washington, D.C. So why, why don't we actually talk about that now, um, Ken? Because, you know, I was in um, Washington, D.C. a few years back uh, doing one of my uh, testimony, giving testimony to Congress, as I've done several times, regarding how violence in the media causes people to become violent, right. essentially. And um, as I was there walking around and, and uh, walking through the halls of, uh, of Congress, and uh, you know, things there really struck me as being so similar to Hollywood. Um, notably, how, for example, it's such a sort of privilege. You have to have a key to uh, to get in. I mean, you know, you have to be you're you're allowed to mingle amongst the. Um, the celebrities, you know, uh, in in Washington D.C., you have to be sort of invited into their club, just as you do in Hollywood. Right. And um, and of course, this whole idea of politicians seeking celebrity status, just as people come to Hollywood to seek celebrity status. So, and that was a, a lot of uh, a part of the theme of Hollywood Hussein. What um, could you tell us some more about that? What your what you wanted to get across. Well, you know, it's interesting is that, 
you know, there, there used to be the cliche that people like to throw around, which was uh, uh, Washington is Hollywood for ugly people. <laughs> um, but, you know, that is really a passe thing to say because it's really just Because people Hollywood. are getting cuter? Or what? Well, <laughs> that yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, not, not, not to be too superficial about these things, <laughs> but let's face it, uh, we're in somewhat of superficial times. Look at John Roberts, George Bush, John Kerry. Okay, but you know, these are all good-looking guys. Well, okay, but now wait a second. I was reading about that on your website, actually, (laughs) and uh, I I, that I made a note to ask you: How is it um, that Kerry didn't win? I mean, surely one. I I don't think too many people would dispute that Kerry is a lot more charismatic and better-looking than George Bush. So, how do you explain that? Well, of course, uh, Americans aren't uh, so. Um, uh, you know, lacking depth <laughs> and shallow enough just to vote for someone because someone's prettier than the, ne- the other person. It's a part of the package. It's a part of the campaign uh, that uh, politicians go on to market themselves and to market themselves as a celebrity. We like celebrities. Um, the more that we like a celebrity as a person, the more likely we are to buy their music, to go to their movies, to watch their TV shows. Liking them is very important, and politicians have obviously figured that out. Now, part of liking someone is feeling comfortable with them and you know, seeing them, and you're going to see them on the TV every day, so you're essentially going to live with this person in some capacity, at least through the media, every day for the next four years if they win the election. And so I think that that becomes a big part of it. Now, when you get down to sort of beauty contests, I mean, George Bush, John Kerry... At a certain point, let's face it, George Bush is just a better, uh, more re- a more relatable person to the average American. And I think that independent of the politics, independent of 9-11, which I think really impacted a lot of people's votes of just wanting to be, feel secure and not wanting to rock the boat or give too much change on the heels of 9-11, had a big part to do with it. But at the same time, you know, George Bush really makes you feel comfortable. Now, well, wait, wait, wait. But, you know, I On think, a personal level. But I, think, I, I mean, I think level. maybe at the time that, um, that there was the campaign, he was still able to get by on this sort of aw shucks, uh, somewhat vulnerable, you know. <laughs> to me, he always has the expression of, you know, that he can't believe he's president. Right, right. <laughs> like, what am I doing here? Are they really expecting me to be president? And it went so far, you know, but. Of course, then there's a question of whether he really did win the election the second time or even the first time. <laughs> there you go. But, um, but anyway, but I mean, I think that that aw shucks thing took him a long way in terms of be- people being able to relate to him and having him be a comfortable figure. But more recently, as the stakes seem to be getting higher, you know, as um, uh, as he seem as they seem to be beyond his capacity more and more. I think that the aw shucks is kind of um, losing, it's getting old, you know. Well, I think that you know, a, a lot of Americans, you know, will, will fall for the guy. They, look, at, we're more likely to buy a car from someone if he's a nice guy and he sort of convinces us. He makes us feel good about ourselves and sort of reinforces the fact that he's just one of us. We're, we're pretty likely to buy that car from that person. 
And then if the car starts to break down, we'll bring it back to the dealer and we'll say, hey, man, you know, you sold me this car. It's a, oh, that's all right. Let me fix it. We'll take care of it. And you bring it back. You drive it. Oh, it breaks down again. After a while, it's going to come down to what have you done for me lately? <laughs> I liked you at first. I kind of was caught up in the charisma of it. But Americans, at the end of the day, they want results. And when they're not seeing them, they're going to react to it. And I think that what has happened is that George Bush, the, the clock has been ticking. It's been five, over five years now. Mm-hmm. The clock has ticked, and he has not delivered on the promises that he has made to the American people. And they're loyal. Americans are very loyal to the people they vote for, they're loyal to their president, but at a certain point, they realize that you know when things aren't, um, when promises aren't being kept, they will call politicians on it, and that's the great thing about the democratic process. Now, at the same time, we have to look at one of the big um, faults of this administration, the Rove administration, because let's face it, Karl Rove, who they call the architect, has really been behind so much of what is the public facade, the public image of the administration, uh, the person, sort of the puppeteer of the propaganda coming out of the administration. And when you really look at it, it, it has worked masterfully in different situations, um, and it has failed miserably in others. Where it has failed miserably is the fact that, as you mentioned at the top of the show, 2,000 people reportedly have died in Iraq fighting for, the, for our country. Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think about 2,000 people, maybe a little bit more, died in the World Trade Center. It's more like 3,000. Okay, so close to 3,000, I think it was. You're correct. So as we get closer to that number, I think people start really relating to the mass uh, death and fatalities that we're dealing with in fighting this war. And they're starting to go back and question the premise for the war. Um, last night I was watching The Daily Show with John Stewart. Um, and uh, actually, Bill Crystal from the Weekly Standard, one of you know top conservative weekly magazines, was on the show. And John Stewart, who's very liberal-minded, was challenging uh, Bill Crystal about the president and you know some of the decisions he's making and this, uh, you know his current nominee for the Supreme Court actually doesn't really seem qualified, and and how the war is just this big mess and falling apart. And just that day, this hotel was almost blown to pieces by mm-hmm. the insurgents. And even Bill Crystal, arch-conservative, one of the strongest right-wing uh, uh, voices in the media today, couldn't give a p- impassioned, believable defense mm-hmm. of George Bush and his policies. And that's a bad sign, because that's his base, that's his core. So what that says to me is the people who didn't vote for him, which was actually uh, the majority of Americans did not vote for him, mm-hmm. um, they have always questioned him, and on top of that, his base is starting to erode, and his authority is being undercut. That is not a good thing for our country, okay? So no matter if you're on the left or the right, it doesn't matter. We need a president who has our support and we can have faith in, and we just don't have that right now. And if I were giving advice to Bush, and if he's listening, hopefully he's on Voice America <laughs> listening right now, maybe he has more important things to do, but maybe he's listening or someone close to him is listening, I would say this, level with us. Don't tell us that you're leveling with us when what you're really doing is spinning and propagandizing. That's insulting to us. Tell us the way it is. Admit that you've made mistakes. Yeah. And someone in your life, 
whether it's a spouse or a friend or someone in your family, admits that they've wronged you, they've made mistakes, maybe they told a lie, you can't help but forgive them eventually. Maybe not right away, but eventually you can get over it. But if you don't admit to that fault, you can't get past it. And it really comes down to that interpersonal level. But what he has been getting is a lot of advice from Karl Rove and his handlers. And I think they've been thinking on this broad political media spectrum, but they forgot that politics is personal. And George Bush has lost that touch, that personal touch with the American people. Yes, that's a very good point. The spin about keeping an invulnerable president and yet at the same time um, making all these mistakes and having people come to their own conclusions. Absolutely. Well, we will. Another, we have to take another break. We will be back. The book we're talking about is Hollywood Hussein. The author is Ken Baker. He's the West Coast executive editor of Us Weekly and a commentator on numerous television shows about entertainment and politics. <laughs> This is your way of sneaking politics into into your work. <laughs> we'll, we'll come back and talk more. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, and you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Are you feeling stuck in some part of your life? You might have some crust busting to do. Crust is anything that you think, feel, or believe that prevents you from living life full out. Step into the crust-free zone with me, Dr. Pat Vasily, and get ready to do some serious crust busting. Join us on Thursday mornings on voiceamerica.com at 8 a.m. Pacific time for crust busting your way to an awesome life. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Cutting edge. Challenging. Stimulating. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. When tax time comes, are you the person that goes to your accountant with a shoebox literally full of receipts? Stop wasting your accountant's time as well as your own by organizing your finances with the help of Joe Dunphy and Poor Richard's Shoebox. 
heard live every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, poor Richard Shoebox will let you know what you can do to organize for tax time, as well as how to get the most out of your retirement. So get all of your receipts together and tune in to Poor Richard Shoebox with Joe Dunphy every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Business, sport, religion, legal, pets, entertainment. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. With me today is Ken Baker, the author of Hollywood Hussein. Um, at the end of the show, we will give you some information about how to reach him and how, where to buy the book and all of that. But in the meantime, uh, let's continue talking about it. One of the things that you talk about, one of the themes, is about um, paparazzi and how they are really the um, ultimate truth seekers and heroes in America. Do you want to explain that? <laughs> yeah, I've gotten, uh, that's been a pretty controversial point in the book. Um, well, just to back up a little bit, of course, I work at Us Weekly, and um, like I said earlier, it's a very much a photo-driven magazine, and I would say, you know, maybe uh, in some issues close to half the pictures are sort of these paparazzi-style pictures of uh, celebrities uh, in a park or on a street or in a uh, shopping in a store uh, that have become so popular uh, in uh, the celebrity journalism today that it's almost become standard. Um, you don't even think twice about saying, oh, there's Reese Witherspoon buying chicken at the market. I just started buying hamburger last week. <laughs> uh, and it sort of made us all sort of feel so much more involved with celebrities' lives. Now, behind all this, is um, a group of, I'd say, a few hundred uh, professional uh, photographers who uh, specialize in this street-style paparazzi. Now, now, when you say a few hundred, are you talking about in L.A., in the United States? I would or? say a few hundred, and that's including L.A., New York, Miami, uh, and some of the... Uh, celebrity kind of hotspots around the world, including mm-hmm. places where there's a lot of filming going on, like Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, London, um, and throughout Europe. And I mean, if you include Europe, you're talking probably anywhere from 500 to 1,000 maybe at max paparazzi-style photographers who are uh, really have gainful employment, who sell enough pictures to make a living doing it. So there's not that many of them, but there are... Um, there are more that I'd say there's probably double the number of them in, in the last five years mm-hmm. because of the rise of magazines like Us Weekly. Mm-hmm. And there's just simply more outlets for these photographs, and so these guys are chasing these images. Now, of course, it's become more competitive now that they've doubled in size. There's twice as many competitors trying to get those pictures. So what you've seen is a level of sophistication and planning and plotting and some will say stalking, of these celebrities uh, in order to get the images that they can sell to the magazine. Now, what does that mean? That means that they're employing some of the traditional surveillance techniques of private investigators, of CIA, FBI, uh, law enforcement who work undercover, in order to get the pictures because the 
whole I, the the goal of paparazzi today is not to jump out of the bushes and flash people in their face and get them, you know, the Sean Penn, you know, trying to punch a cameraman, and mm-hmm. it's it's all about capturing them in their real life and capturing them natural. That's what people want to see. We've become this voyeuristic culture, and the magazines are the principal portals into that celebrity voyeurism that we've all uh, uh, been, you know, <laughs> been comfortable with seeing. And what I've seen in this business, and I've been in for almost 10 years now, worked at People Magazine, of course work at Us now, is I've seen the paparazzi become so sophisticated to the point where they're using telecommunications equipment that maybe 10 or 15 years ago was only used by law enforcement, but is that being used now. They are using tailing techniques that are used by FBI and CIA. The, all of these sort of techniques have filtered down. A lot of it is it's not a big secret anymore. There's movies, the Internet, people are learning how to do this. But at the same time, whether or not you think they're invading people's privacy, they're the biggest dirtbags in the world, you can think whatever you want about the paparazzi. But what's clear is that they're very skilled at what they do. And so this idea of the rise of paparazzi, of course, we've seen some really uh, public cases where they've been overly aggressive. Of course, they were connected to, uh, you know, Princess Diana's um, death Mm -hmm. in that tunnel in Paris in the late 90s. They were um, involved recently in a car accident with Lindsay Lohan where she was rammed by a paparazzi, mm-hmm. ostensibly by accident. Uh, Reese Witherspoon has had a run-in recently uh, with some paparazzi. And so we've seen some very public episodes where some uh, overly aggressive paparazzi went too far. Now, what is clear is that to me is that I've seen this all happening, and at the same time, I was seeing what was playing out in Iraq and the capture of Saddam. And so for me, it was an opportunity. Hollywood Hussein, in writing the book, was an opportunity for me to uh, put the paparazzi into this setting where you could almost believe that they could find Saddam Hussein. Um, And to be honest with you, I really think they could. And I had the great fortune recently. My book has been out uh, not even a month, but I had the great fortune recently of um, a production company in in L.A. optioning the television rights to Hollywood Hussein. And one of the ideas they have is to start a reality show where the paparazzi go try to find Osama bin Laden. Um, no, I was... <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I'd say, oh, perfect, Hollywood yeah. bin Laden, perfect. That's a great show. I would watch that, and it's heroic, and it has a, it has a good, solid message. It's, it's not one of these exploitative kind of shows. Uh, they're actually using their stalking and all of their surveillance techniques for something that's going to help the world. So that's a good way to do it. And but is that really, I mean, they're really thinking of um, uh, taking this, taking the reality show to, um, well, to Afghanistan or to wherever they think Osama is? Well, uh, the people that have been exposed to the idea have all said that, that is crazy, and it's just so crazy, it might work. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> so well, I don't I know it, what's going to happen. I mean, it could. It, well, I mean, it's it's a great idea, um, uh, except that, of course, the people who who would participate and there would be no shortage. It would be around the block because you know, of course, people are lining up to be on reality shows to get their fifteen minutes of fame. It's, there wouldn't be a shortage of of potential um, contestants or participants, but. But it's just that they would, of course, have to sign. They would be essentially almost 
perhaps literally signing their life away by going into such dangerous territory. Well, one thing about the paparazzi, and of course in the book I call them the eyes of America, uh, because we're <laughs> they are, in many ways, the paparazzi are, in, in many ways, they're like pornographers. Um, there's a lot of people out there who want to see the images that pornographers make. But most of those people, at the same time, in public, are going to say, oh, those, oh, those dirty pornographers, oh, they're awful people. Um, and you, I'm seeing a lot of that today with people who, they want to see Reese Witherspoon buying that chicken in the store, and they're fascinated. Oh, she's wearing sneakers. Ooh, wow, her hair, it's not made up. That looks just like me. But at the mm-hmm. same time, these are, there are also people saying who want to see those images saying, oh, that's horrible that they do that, um, which is right, kind of an interesting right. hypocrisy that, that we have. But at the same time, the paparazzi, what they're doing is very, very pure capitalistic enterprise. What they're doing is, they go and chase pictures that will make them money. Now, there's something in the range of a $25 million bounty uh, that the government has put up on the head of Osama bin Laden. You better believe that if there's guys out there willing to sit outside of Angelina Jolie's house for three weeks and in order to get one picture of her and her baby for maybe you know ten or $15,000, you better believe they're going to get on a plane and go to the Middle East to try to fight Osama bin Laden for $25 yeah. billion. So I think that the idea that you could actually pull off a reality show is not uh, much of a stretch. And it would be really uh, rewarding for me because it would be taking this fictional story that I wrote, and obviously it's you know, entertaining and satirical with serious message to it as well, but and it would be used for something that I think would uh, be really beneficial for society. So I, I think it's, it's course, something only, I would love to see happen. Of course, the only thing is that <laughs> Osama in his cage, in his cage, yeah, that's, that was an interesting slip, <laughs> in his cave, well, who knows where he is? <laughs> he could be in a cage. Um, in his cave, in his high-tech cave, uh, would probably be watching this. That's the only flaw in it, because how would, you well, know... Well, you wouldn't do it in real time. I think you would just you would do it and it would <laughs> air like yes. a few months later. Yeah, I guess that, that, but, that's But, you know, that all problem. kidding aside, I mean, it, you know, some people might think that's absurd. Some people might think it's realistic. But what you can't argue is that uh, the paparazzi have really uh, become a huge part of the media and uh, particularly the celebrity entertainment media. But we're now starting to see that sort of, you know, because the image is so important and the still image still has a, a power and an authority and an ability to, to move people emotionally uh, of freezing moments in time that uh, video image just don't have and I don't think they'll ever have. So when I call them somewhat tongue-in-cheek in Hollywood Hussein, the eyes of America, um, I'm really, uh, I, I do think that they're really providing a, a really uh, a service to people. They're fulfilling some need that people have to well, see these images, and I think it's, it's always existed going back to uh, prehistoric times, writing on caves and showing images of the hunt that we just did. Uh, this is something very primal, very basic to human behavior. Well, yes, um, and the point that you make about how at least we know that that's not spin, that these things are real. Um, What's also real is that we do have to take this break, but we will be back with Ken Baker, who is the author of Hollywood Hussein and the West Coast Executive Editor of Us Weekly. 
And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time to Jeffrey Gitterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. You want the truth? Face the facts. This is VoiceAmerica.com. Depend on it. Hello, this is Rory Goray, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dog. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking about the book, Hollywood Hussein, written by Ken Baker, who is my guest. Um, you know, we were talking about the paparazzi and about, uh, and in general, even from the beginning of the show, uh, the themes that you have in the book um, about the spin, com- comparing spin to propaganda and at least the spin of Hollywood to the propaganda of Washington, D.C. Now, I do have one thing that confused me, though, is um, that how do you, since you poke fun at or satirize or parody uh, the fact that one of the things that the government does is to try to distract us. I mean, I guess um, the best example of that would be the uh, London Marriott character, Paris Hilton, mm-hmm. um, and the idea was to distract us from the fact that there were no weapons of mass destruction and all of that. And and it works because we're so obsessed with celebrities. But how do you um, 
how do you sort of uh, um, justify is, is is sort of an obnoxious word, but validate whatever you know. So, so um, explain to yourself your role in uh, as the West Coast executive editor of Us Weekly in essentially providing a better distraction. You know, you you work hard. You you know, there's a lot of competition amongst magazines like this. And you try to make yours the best, of course. And and but but in doing so, aren't you just helping the government to um, to distract us? I think you raise a good point. Uh, it's interesting. I remember back um, you know back going back to nine eleven. Um, there was a lot uh, talked about and written about at the time about, um, I guess there's speculation that, well, this is the end of the innocence, uh, this is the end of junk culture, this is the end of escapist pop culture, and we're now turning more serious issues, we're going to become a more serious society. And all I've seen is the opposite happen, that the public has sought out escape in the form of celebrity... Uh, obsession uh, in the form of Us Weekly and the numerous other magazines. When 9-11 when happened, there were two what we call glossy celebrity weeklies. There was People Magazine and there was Us Weekly. And then there were the tabloids that were printed on lesser quality paper, that were cheaper, um, that were more aggressive uh, uh, with toward the celebrities. Since 9-11, uh, we've gone from two so I think at last count, there are now eight, maybe nine, if you count uh, the new TV guide, which has gone into a large um, mm-hmm. magazine um, size format from their small pocketbook format that they used to have. And not only have we seen the increase in the number of magazines, but every magazine has increased in circulation. Pe- uh, from people to us to, to almost all of them have gone up in circulation. So what does that say? That says that um, Americans love celebrities, obviously. They love to follow their lives. But at a deeper level, I guess the question could be raised that are we escaping our own lives? And if so, why are we escaping our own lives? And is this related to the terrorism that we live with every day, the death, the war, the confusion, and is the controlled world of Hollywood and seeing our celebrities live their lives and sort of living vicariously through their lives because they're richer and more beautiful and more famous than we are, is this providing us some sort of comfort and escape from our own lives? I think that obviously I'm asking it in the form of a question because I'm not a social scientist. I I can't tell you. But I do think that there is a very large degree of truth to all that. Um, And I think that, yeah, my job at Us Weekly is to present stories and images and and basically give readers a narrative uh, in photos and text every week of these celebrities that they care about. And uh, it's not necessarily my job to judge uh, whether they should be interested or not or to question why are they interested. My job is simply to chronicle them. But in Hollywood Hussein, in writing that book, the point I was making is that, look, we are obsessed. Uh, we're obsessed to such a degree that I think our politicians are starting to pick up on it and say, well, heck, you know, even, even Saddam Hussein in my book, 
the fictional Saddam Hussein in my book, brings up the point that he thinks that, uh, you know, George Bush was really smart because he realized that Hollywood celebrities are the American royalty. And so he realized that he had to make himself a celebrity. Not only did he have to make himself a celebrity, he had to make himself a celebrity that people liked because we will believe most, like Brad Pitt, for example, it's largely known in journalistic circles and among the media that Brad Pitt, in all likelihood, was unfaithful in some capacity to his ex-wife, Jen Aniston, uh, which is a pretty deplorable thing, I think, by most uh, values and standards. People look down on that. You know, you're, you're cheating, you're, uh, you're committing adultery, shame on you. Uh, now, for some reason... Brad Pitt has been left off the hook. Yeah. People forgive him. Women are like, I still love him. Why? Because they like him. He's good looking. He's charismatic. And the idea that our politicians uh, have picked up on that is one that's very obvious to me, and that's one of the big points that I try to get across in Hollywood Hussein. Yes. Um, yes, I, I mean, I... I agree with it all. It does concern me as a uh, as a social scientist that yes. that there is this much escapism into a kind of fairy tale world. I mean, that's really. I mean, yes, American royalty. It's it's princes and, and princes, um, princesses and well, sometimes it's princes, <laughs> but princesses and princes, and um, and uh, we. It, that is easier to think about um, and more comforting to think about than uh, some of the other choices of, of really facing what is happening in the world between bird flu and hurricanes and terrorism. Well, it's interesting. Um, you know, I always say that, uh, um, you know, celebrities, uh, you know, are, are great escape from our, from, from our lives, and, and that's a wonderful thing. I mean, that's why we go to movies. That's why we do a lot of things that we do. But at the same time, I always tell people, buy Us Weekly. I hope you enjoy it. Put down your 349. Have a great experience with it. Talk about it with your girlfriends. But at the same time, if you're only buying Us Weekly, shame on you. <gasps> buy a newspaper. Buy a, a, a news magazine of general interest. Inform yourself, uh, read the Internet, read differing opinions, because if all you're consuming is uh, celebrity news, uh, th- that's not a healthy thing. And I think it's all in perspective, it's all in balance, it's all uh, just uh, just keeping things uh, in perspective. And I think that, yeah, there are some people, it's, it's sad, there's a lot of people out there um, who maybe know more about Britney Spears than they do about their own daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, or their own wife, their sister, mm-hmm. and that's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that anyone who would argue that would be is being very dishonest. And uh, and maybe at Us Weekly, as an editor there, I should be saying, oh, it's great. <laughs> we should care more about Britney Spears mm-hmm. than about the own the, our people in our own personal lives. But, you know, it's not true. It's not healthy. And I think as a society, it goes back to what I said about George Bush failing to connect on that interpersonal level with the American people. That leads to a breakdown on a macro level of his ability to lead and have authority and to move our country in a positive direction. The same can be said for people failing to connect with others in meaningful ways in their personal lives mm-hmm. leads to a more of a macro-level breakdown of, of society. And I think you're the social scientist, I'm the social observer, 
I'll let you figure out the ramifications and how we can fix it. I'm observing it, and I try to just use it in my own life to act positively. But, uh, you know, certainly I think that celebrity has its place, paparazzi have its place, um, but I think that it's all in moderation. Yes, and, you know, I, I couldn't help thinking as I was reading the book about what you had said uh, at the book launching party about how you really are interested in um, politics, in po- political journalism, and this is a way that you manage to combine the two <laughs> quite well and um, and also give very astute observations on both cultures. Uh, I would recommend this book, and we can, why don't you tell people where they can find it? Well, you can go to my website, kenbaker.net. Uh, you can read all about the book. You can also read about uh, not only Hollywood Hussein, but a charity that I started with Carmen Electra. It's called Head to Hollywood. And uh, being a brain tumor survivor myself, uh, and Carmen Electra's mom died from a brain tumor, we started a charity where we bring people who are brain tumor survivors to Hollywood to have a celebrity experience. Uh, just as a way of providing comfort and escape, as we talked about, to people who really do need it and deserve it. And that there's information about how to donate on that on my website. And also, you can go to Amazon.com or just go to your local bookstore and buy Hollywood Hussein. Okay, and I hope also that uh, not only is there this television show um, deal, but it would also make a great movie. <laughs> it almost it almost writes itself the way you have it in the book, and it, it kind of reminded me somewhat of Wag the Dog. But we're we're due for a new Wag the Dog. <laughs> well, I wouldn't agree with you. If you got any connections at the studios, let them. Okay, know. I'll, I'll see what I can do. And yes, I'm glad you mentioned the head to Hollywood. Do go to Ken Baker's website again. That's KenBaker.net, and uh, check that out as well. I'll have to have you back on so you can talk about that book that you wrote, uh, the previous book about uh, man-made, a memoir of my body, talking about your experience with surviving a brain tumor. I'll In any case... Anytime, Carol. <laughs> okay. Meanwhile, again, the book is Hollywood Hussein, and I would encourage you all to not only buy it and read it, but think about these issues. Um, when you see George Bush or any other politician talking, ask yourself whether the words that are coming out of their mouths are... Um, more typical of that which you would find from a publicist for Britney Spears or whether we can actually believe them. What do you think? (laughs) So, Ken, thank you again for being on Dr. Carol's Couch and best of luck with the book. Thank you so much. And you all (laughs) come back next week uh, to listen to Dr. Carol's Couch and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.